Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Psalm chapter 8. David opens up this psalm in adoration to the Father. And throughout this, throughout your, uh, your notes there, we're going to kind of talk or touch on the specific verses so we won't have it up um, right now, right away. But Pastor Ken talked at the beginning uh, on Psalm 1 and he kind of gave a brief uh, overview of what Psalms is, the entire book of Psalms. And he said that Psalms is a book that expresses worship. Each book is a hymn that expresses worship. And David opens up this particular chapter. Now we know that Psalms is written by very different authors. It's not all written by David, by various different authors, but this specific uh, Psalm is written by David. And he opens it up in worship to the Father um, by helping us to see the glory of God in creation. He explores the theme of God's majesty and our puny insignificance by way of comparison. But at the same time, God has created us in his image and he graciously crowned us with glory and honor and majesty. And then he assigned us the role to rule over his creation. And David said that all of these thoughts, because he opens up the psalm and he ends the psalm with the very same line. And all of these thoughts, as we go through this chapter, you're gonna see that he ends with the very same thing saying, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. Now we don't know exactly when David wrote this particular psalm, but I can just imagine and again, as we read through it, you're going you're gonna to see it. You're going to hear it for yourself. I can just imagine what David was doing at this time. I could see him just looking up into the sky. It's dark. Looking up to the sky and gazing at the stars and, and just looking at the vastness of all of God's creation and comparing himself to that. And then opening up and saying, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how excellent, how majestic is your name. So in Psalm 8, David is exhorting us, writing your notes, to worship the Lord for three reasons. The first way that David is asked, telling us that we need to worship the Lord is because, number one, his name is majestic in all of the earth. Verse 1 and verse 2. Verse one says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth who hath displayed your splendor above the heavens. You see, majesty defined is supreme greatness or, or authority. And so David is saying here, he recognized, again in your notes, that though the Lord was Israel's covenant God, he was not just the covenant God of Israel, but he was the God of all the earth. His name is excellent, majestic, powerful, and respected in all of the earth. And he didn't just say, you're majestic in all of the earth. He said, your name 
is majestic, it's powerful. It has so much authority, not just here in Israel, but in all of the earth. God's majesty is displayed, letter A, in all the earth and in the brilliance of the heavens. That word splendor that you see in verse one, a synonym of that word is brilliance. So God displays his majesty, his authority, his power. He displays it in the brilliance of everything that he created in the heavens. God's name refers to who he is and what he has done as revealed in his word. Let it be the majesty of God's name is seen in all the earth and above the heavens. And I love that, that part right there because we see it over in Romans. Uh, Paul writes in Romans chapter, chapter one, verse 20. He says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Though every, or through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. Watch this part. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. God is so amazing that he doesn't have to defend himself. He just says, look at what I created. The things that I created defends me. It speaks of who I am. It speaks of the power that I possess. It speaks of the authority that I have. Look in the sky. You wanna know if I exist? Look at the things that I created. And Paul is saying here is that God has clearly shown, clearly displayed the power that he has so that nobody has an excuse to say that I don't know that there is a God. Though we have people that do that every day. Think on this. There is enough evidence for God as creator in the human body alone to convince anyone willing to think about it that we are not the product of random chance over a long period of time. We're not a product of random chance. I found this, I was studying on the, the human body and different things of that nature and I found, found some stuff so I'm just gonna read from, from this here. But just think about, look at yourself and and. and you know, oftentimes it's hard to look at ourselves and just think of how good God is or how powerful God is, but the human brain has 10 billion nerve cells. Your eyes have about 100 million receptor cells in each retina, which also has four layers of nerve cells. Your skin has more than 2 million tiny sweat glands, about 3,000 per square inch to regulate your body temperature. How awesome is our God? Your heartbeat beats an average 70 times per minute, 40 million times per year, or two and a half billion times in 70 years. It pumps about 3,000 gallons of blood a day through your body. How awesome, how majestic is our God. Your body is supported by more than 200 finely designed bones connected to more than 500 muscles and many tendons and ligaments. Just think about that. And then some of our muscles respond to conscious will, 
and some of them respond automatically. Your digestive system has about 35 million glands that secrete juices to digest your food and sustain your life. And then I haven't even mentioned your lungs. I haven't even mentioned your senses, hearing, smell, touch. Haven't even mentioned any of those things, your immune system, but they all work together. And that's just a human body. How awesome is our God? Just looking at the human body, the makeup of the human body, all that entails, there's no way that that happened by chance. Think about the balance of the world. How plants are created and the plants produce carbon dioxide, which produces oxygen for you to breathe. Come on. How majestic is our God in all of the earth? David considers the brilliance of the heavens or the universe. And of course, he didn't have a telescope at at that time. So just think about David writing that scripture, writing that passage, that poem, that hymn, thousands of years ago, saying, I can look into the sky and I see the things that you created. He didn't even have a telescope. He doesn't know the things that we know today. Knowing the things that we know today, if David knew that then, can you imagine what this psalm would look like? If you could travel at the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second, it would take you eight minutes to get to the sun. Think about that. To go from the sun to the center of the Milky Way would take you about 33,000 years. The Milky Way belongs to a group of about 20 different galaxies and to cross that group would take you two million years. And we see the Milky Way but the Milky Way is only a small portion of 20 different galaxies. And then those 20 different galaxies sit in the middle of another cluster of galaxies, which would take you about a half billion light years to cross. If you were to go from one end of the universe, which we don't even know if there is an end to it, but across the entire universe, it would take you at least 20 billion light years. How majestic is our God? Think about those things because it's gonna come full circle in a minute. I read this story that Sir Isaac Newton had uh, created this replica of the solar system and he used some cogs or some wheels and bars and uh, various different Uh, things and gears and put them together belts and had them to move like in perfect harmony. And then one of, uh, as he was, uh, you know, kind of studying the solar system, one of his friends came over to his house and his friend is, or wherever he was at the time, his friend does not believe or did not believe in the biblical, uh, in biblical creation. He was one that believed that uh, the big bang, it just kind of happened. And so he looked at this thing that 
that Isaac, Sir Isaac Newton had created. And he said, man, that is awesome. Who created that for you? And Newton said, nobody. And he said, nobody. He said, yeah, the, the gears, the wheels, the bars, the, the joints, they all just came together somehow. And then they just started moving in perfect harmony. His friend got it. How can you believe that our solar system just came out of nowhere and just moves in perfect harmony? He got it that day. And I believe that that man turned his life over to the Lord because he now understood how majestic, how powerful our God is. Let's look at verse two. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. I love that scripture. God's majesty, letter A, is displayed in things that seem weak and powerless. David considers that the power and glory of God can also be seen in small children. His strength is evident in their very existence. Think about the birth of a child. There is life. And Meredith, you're pregnant right now. I will have you come up here and, but no. There's life on the inside of a woman's body for nine months or however long. <laughs> My wife said 10 months. I'll take her word for it. She had two. And then at a certain point, the baby doesn't decide, but there is something that chemically happens on the inside of a woman's body that says, okay, now. Does that just happen by chance? How majestic, how powerful is our God. God displays his strength, let her be, in unlikely things because it works to silence the enemy. It works to silence the enemy. And I love uh, this verse because David touches on a familiar theme in the Bible. It's the, the idea that God uses otherwise weak things to show forth his glory and his strength. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29. It says, instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God does things so that no one could ever boast in his presence. No one can ever take God's glory for creating you. Think about your life, all that you've endured in your life. No one could have brought you through that but God. And he does it in a way 
that you can use it as a testimony. You can say, listen, I don't know how I got here, but I know that God did it. So that you can't take the glory for anything that God does in your life. Listen, you may be living in a house right now that they told you you weren't gonna be able to get. Your credit wasn't good enough. But somehow, it just worked on your behalf. Listen, that's the favor of God. We believe for the favor of God everywhere that we go. My wife and I, my kids, we pray this, and I, and, and I say different things that my own family and I do because that's the only experience that I have. I ain't gonna tell nobody else's story. I'm gonna tell my own because this is what we do. But we pray every, one of the things that we pray every morning is that God's favor goes before us and God's favor follows us, that we always receive things. We always get God's highest and best. We always hear, usually I don't do this, but because it's you, I'm gonna do that. That's the favor of God. Normally this wouldn't happen, but it's gonna happen for you. That's the favor of God, and we believe him for that. Favor is so much better than finance. Y'all ever heard that? Favor is so much better than finance. And when you have the favor of God on your life, you can step into a situation that seems impossible and all of a sudden it comes possible because the favor of God is on your life. And he gives you his favor or he allows you to see his favor in your life so that nobody can say, hey, you got that house because of me. You're driving that car because of me. You got that promotion on your job because of me. You're doing the things and living the life that you're living now because of me. My best friend, he and his wife were believing God for a child. The doctors have said that they wouldn't have it. And we started to tell them, hey, listen, start speaking differently. Start saying differently believing that the favor of God is on your life. Doesn't matter what the doctors say. You start speaking different and you're gonna see it happen. Six months later, what happened? Boom. Because the favor of God is on your life. Think on this. It's hard to think of anything more weak and helpless than a baby. Yet the same God who can ordain strength from the mouths, from their mouths can give strength and support to me or to you in the midst of your own weakness. The same God that can ordain strength out of a baby is the same God that can give you strength in the middle of whatever weakness you have. Whatever weakness you may be facing in your life, God can give you strength. Remember, the enemy has nothing to say when God works so mightily in an otherwise weak person. You remember Job? You know the story of Job. But God blessed Job so crazy, so amazing. He did, the way he did it was just, just, was just it was just amazing because he didn't give the enemy any way to have any accusation against him nor against Job. 
think about the weakness that Job was going through at that time. And God sustained him in the middle of that weakness. So the devil had nothing to say because he saw how God sustained him. You lose your wife, all of your kids, all of your possessions, everything that you have. Listen, if I just lose my wife, forget, you know, I'm not say forget my kids, but we're not even gonna talk about <laughs> my kids or my, or my other things. If I just lose, if I lost my wife, listen, I've lost everything. Give her back. You can take all the other stuff. I don't need that. I need my good thing. The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Let me stop there. And obtains favor from the Lord. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You want to receive favor or see favor on another level? Find your wife. Hey, it's the word. And if you're with someone that's not your wife, make her your wife. And you're going to receive favor from the Lord. It's the word. It's not my opinion. It's the word of God. I just kind of stepped over into Mary for life for a minute. It's the word of God. That clock gets me every time. Number two, David tells us to worship God Though we are seemingly insignificant, he has graciously crowned us with glory and with honor. Letter A, compared to the vastness of the universe, we are puny and insignificant. Let's look at verse three through five, and I put this in the Amplified version because I love the way the Amplified reads. David writes, when I view and consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained and established. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of earthborn man that you care for him. Yet you have made him but a little lower than God or heavenly beings, angels in some translations, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. David looks at the vastness of the universe. He's looking into the sky. He's seeing the stars and how far they stretch. And he's looking at the universe and everything that God has created. And he's saying, I am small. And he marvels, that's the next note, he marvels at how excellent how how brilliant God is that he's mindful of me little old me I'm talking about David now so the David in the Bible not me adulterous me murdering me lying me How majestic, how awesome is our God in all of the earth. He could have said that you made us a little higher than the animals, which is really true. But no, David said, you've made us a little lower 
than angels or a little lower than yourself. And that was David's saying that he remembered the representation of God making us in his image over in Genesis chapter one. He made us in his image and in his likeness. And even at that time, he gave us authority over everything that he created. Letter B, he has crowned us with glory and majesty and assigned us to rule over his creation. Verse six through eight, and also this is an amplified. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yes, and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and whatever passes along the paths of the sea. He said, you have put all things under our feet. You have given me authority over all things. And I I love this, this next note. All means all. That whole line is your next blank. All means all. All means what? Some of the time. Only on Sundays. On Wednesdays? When you feel good. When you don't. When you feel like you're in God's good graces. When you feel like you've made mistakes and you've messed up when you feel like God loves you, when you feel like you've shamed him, all means all. Doesn't matter what state you are in your life, you still have authority. The enemy wants you to think that you don't, that because you've made a mistake, because you've, made, you've sinned, because you've fallen short of his glory, that you've lost your authority. Listen, there was only one man that lost his authority, and that was Adam. When Jesus came, it's not possible for you to lose your authority anymore. That's the word of God. It's not my opinion. Jesus came to give you back your authority. Hebrews 2 and 8, and I love this, New Living Translation, it says, you gave them authority over all things. Now, when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. All means all. Let us see. The psalm is ultimately fulfilled. This psalm is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who restores, we just said that, what Adam lost. Adam lost it all. Jesus came and gave it all for you. Wow. So David tells us to worship the Lord because although we are puny and insignificant, he thinks about us. He cares for us. Though we have tainted God's image through sin, God has restored it in Christ Jesus. And watch this, in him. Listen, you got that in your notes and I put it, I capitalized that for a reason. Underline that if you've got a pen. In him. We are again crowned with glory and majesty in Jesus, in him. In him. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're in him. And you cannot be removed from him. 
And if you haven't accepted Christ, listen, we're going to give you a, a chance in a few moments to get in him so that you can walk in the same authority that we walk in. And when, you, when a person, the enemy is afraid of a person that recognizes the authority that they have. He's afraid because that means he can't trick you into thinking that you, can deal, that you have to deal with something that you don't. That something has to go on in your life longer than it has to. When you've got the authority, the same authority that, G, or that God has and that Jesus had, of course, too, is the same authority that you walk in every day of your life. At the beginning of time, God said, let there be light. And every single day that you wake up, you look outside that window, what do you see? The same word that God spoke that long ago is still manifesting today. And that exact same power that exact same authority God has given to you, that when you speak a thing, the scripture says, it will be established. That's why you gotta guard your tongue. Because out of it, as the word says, flow the issues of life. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. You wanna see different? Speak different. You wanna see different? Speak different. So David concludes the same, concludes this song. Goes through all of that. He talks about the majesty of God looking at the universe and the stars and the galaxies and all of that. And he comes back and ends after saying all of that. Number three, that we worship God because again, his name is majestic in all the earth. David comes full circle and closes this psalm the same way that he began it in worship to the king. And as the worship team comes up, remember this. And put stars by this too. When you begin to feel overwhelmed, insignificant, or as if God has forgotten about you, look up into the sky and consider that the God who created the universe is mindful of you. And sometimes you may have to do that on purpose, like literally, not just think about it, but literally. Go outside in your driveway or your back porch, patio or whatever, and just look up and see the stars. See everything that God created. You created all of this and you put it under my feet. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.